All right, what's up, City Alliance Church? Can we just say what's up to everyone watching on Facebook today? What's up, everyone? So good to have you all here as we are kicking off a brand new series called Dangerous Prayers. Uh, if you're new, my name is Nathan. I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor here. And, you know, I'm excited about this series. I'm excited to talk about prayer because I believe prayer is one of those spiritual disciplines that's really changed and transformed my own life. Um, you know, I became a believer when I was about 14 years old in high school. And I was talking to other Christians and, and I was asking them, how do I grow as a believer? Like, what do I need to do? What are the steps I need to take? And they said, well, you need to uh, read your Bible, and you need to study it. And I was like, I'm there. I'm into it. I loved reading my Bible and studying it and learning what it says. And then they said you had to pray. And I'm like, all right, prayer, it seems kind of weird. It seems kind of mystical. I don't, I don't know if I fully get this idea, but I would do it. But I would never always fully connect until as a 14-year-old kid, I read this Christian novel called This Present Darkness by Frank Peretti. Now, this is kind of a, here, it's the next slide over here. This is kind of a deep cut. Anyone remember this book back in the day? Okay, a couple of y'all do. This is like, by the way, there's no theological merit to the book. It's completely fiction. But as a 14-year-old kid, I remember reading it. It's a story about how there's this town, and it's basically covered in spiritual darkness. There's all this demonic attack that's happening there. But this pastor in this one church started praying, and as they were praying, these angels start showing up and like they literally have like these sword fights with demons. It's, it's kind of cool, right? It's very sci-fi-y. Um, but I remember reading that book and just getting so excited for prayer because it was the first time I started to make a connection. The connection was this, that when we pray in the spiritual realm, it actually has an impact on the physical realm. And it changed my perspective that, oh wow, like our prayers can actually make a difference in the world that we live in today. And it began this journey where I actually started or wanted to stop praying what I called safe, polite prayers. But I wanted to have my prayers have a little bit more power, a little bit more oomph to it. I think all of us, in many ways, we want to pray prayers that will make a difference, don't we? If we actually maybe take a look at the, this past week at your prayers, would you say that your prayers were powerful prayers or were they more pathetic prayers? Were your prayers down and dangerous, or were they just down and out? You know, when I look at my prayers this week, you know, there are prayers like, you know, God, would you, would you, you know, keep my, keep my week safe? You know, would you, would you give me traveling mercies? Would you make sure things are, are safe around me and things are okay? And there's nothing wrong with praying those prayers, but if we ever want to become the people who God has called us to be, if we actually want to go beyond just the safe, we need to learn to pray dangerous prayers. Now, not the kind of prayers that will put you in physical danger, but these are the kind of prayers that will actually stretch your spiritual capacity. They'll stretch your ability to trust in God and experience Him. It'll actually take you out of your comfort zone. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be learning how to pray some dangerous prayers. Uh, in one of these weeks, we're going to learn how to pray this prayer, which is, God, speak to me. Now, what would happen if God actually spoke to you? Now, I don't know if you grew up in traditions or maybe you didn't really talk about the voice of God or God speaking, but we're going to look at what does it mean to actually ask God to speak to us and what if he actually does? What, what's that going to mean for us? In one of the weeks, we're going to look at another prayer, which is God, send me. So rather than God, will you give me stuff? God, what is it you want me to do for you? How would that change our prayer life and change what God has in our lives? We're going to kick off this series by looking at these three small but very powerful words, which is this. Make me bold. Make me bold. Now, boldness is defined as a willingness to take risk. A, you know, it's defined as courage. It's, it's, it's defined as taking these faithful risks and pushing outward. 
In fact, one of our values at City Lines Church is risk. We can't risk unless we actually begin to pray this prayer, God, make me bold. Where we actually are challenged to step out of our comfort zone to maybe speak up and speak out when we'd rather, you know, kind of shrivel up and, and, and kind of be timid. Make me bold is what we're going to look like. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're ready to pray this dangerous prayer with me, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me out loud. How many of you guys are ready to pray this dangerous prayer? Who's ready to go there? All right, ready? On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. God, make me bold. Come on, say it like you want to be bold, church. Ready? One, two, three. Make me bold. Awesome. And if you're watching on Facebook, you can type it in the chat in all caps. Make me bold. <laughs> so like Jerry read, we're going to be going to the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to Acts 4. Otherwise, you can just follow along on the screen with me here. But let me set up the story with you. So like you heard the story so far, Peter and John are at the temple, and they're preaching. Like, I want you to imagine, like, Times Square. If you've ever been to Times Square in New York City, you got street preachers. They're out the corner, and they're preaching, and they're, they're going at it. They're just preaching, getting the Word of God out there. And they see a guy that's kind of sitting down there. He's down and out. And then they pray over him, and he gets healed. And everyone's excited, and they're celebrating, except for the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees are the religious leaders. They're like the religious elite. They have Peter and John arrested, and they drag them in front of what, what they would consider like a supreme court. So they're kind of, you know, like, you know, on the bottom, and the, all the judges are looking down at them. And so the Sadducees are like, listen, whose name are you preaching in? Like, in whose name did you heal this guy in? And you would think at this point, Peter and John would be like, well, Sirs, we're so sorry. You know, you know, we want to apologize on behalf of all Christians, you see. You know, we want to be more, you know, you know open and, 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 and you know, you know we, 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 don't, we don't want to cause a, cause a fuss. But no, look, look what they pray here. It says this in verse 10. It says this. Go to the next slide here. Let me clearly, say clearly, clearly state to all y'all, that's in the Greek, all y'all and the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, the man you crucified and whom God raised from the dead. Say bold, church. That is a bold proclamation. And see, this, is a, this isn't a statement where they're shrinking back, pushing forward. See, here's what you need to understand about the Sadducees. The Sadducees are a sect of Judaism that does not believe in the resurrection. They believe that when you're dead, you're dead. And so Peter and John are coming literally into enemy territory and declaring the fact that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God. That would be like, you know, someone wearing, who's a Yankee fan wearing like an Aaron Judge wig going to Fenway Park and talking about how the Red Sox sucked. Not only would Brandon take you out, okay, some people are cheering, but like literally, that is a bold, dangerous statement. Who would do that? Well, Peter and John are doing that, and literally, when they're coming into the temple and declaring the resurrection of Jesus Christ, these are words of war. It's a declaration of war, essentially. They go on and say this in verse 12. It says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under the heaven by which we must be saved. So right here, Peter and John are saying, this is the source of our boldness. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that says that our world is broken because of sin. It's the gospel that says that God sent his son Jesus to die for us on the cross so we can have a pathway to eternal life. That if we follow Jesus, we have eternal life. We have life everlasting through the cross. Now the Sadducees, the religious leaders 
are at a crossroads. They're not sure what to do with this bold message because they're looking at these uneducated fishermen, and this is their response. It says this in verse 13, that the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. So the Sadducees, you got to understand, these guys are like the PhDs of their time. Like, these are like the Bible scholars, and they're getting schooled by unschooled fishermen. In fact, this, the Greek word for the word spe- with no special training is the word idiotai. Say idiotai. Idiotai literally means no special training. So the Sadducees are like, who are these bold idiots coming in here and preaching about Jesus? And literally, we're like completely schooled. We have no idea what to do with this. I want you to capture something here doesn't matter how many degrees you have. It doesn't matter how many Instagram followers you have or if you're a YouTube influencer. If you say yes to God, he can use you for anything. Amen? It doesn't matter who you are or what walk of life you're involved in. All you need to do is be willing to be bold, and he'll use you. So the Sadducees are in this dilemma. They've got these bold idiots preaching. They've got a guy who was lame for 40 years now walking, and they're like, listen, if we, if, if we have these guys killed, there's going to be a riot. But we don't want them going around preaching Jesus anymore, so what, what do we do? So they had this plan. They said, all right, John, Peter, come here. Listen, guys, we're not going to have you killed, but you got to stop with this preaching Jesus. If you keep doing this, here's what's going to happen. We're going to put you to death. Maybe we'll torture you before that, but it's not going to go good well for you. And then they send them off, and they leave. Now, you would, now, let me ask you this. What would you do if that was you, if that was me? I mean, if I had just been threatened with my life, I, I think I'd feel really overwhelmed, and I'd probably do what many of us do. We'd pray, right? But what would you pray? Maybe I'd pray like, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me from this situation, from the danger. Jesus, can you keep me safe? Maybe, God, you can find ways that we can preach, maybe more quieter, maybe more stealthily, or, you know, we'd, we'd find maybe safe prayers to pray. But I want you to look at the dangerous prayer that Peter and John prayed when they gathered with their friends. So they gathered other believers together, and this is what they prayed. They said this, O Lord, hear their threats and keep us safe. Is that what it says? No, sorry, that's not what it says here. It says, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great—what's this word, church? It's boldness. Great boldness in the preaching of your word. Now, some of us think that maybe boldness means that we're not afraid. But I don't think Peter and John were, were completely without fear. But I want you to notice what they did. And that's this. It's that they named their fears. When they gathered together with other believers, they said, hey, hey, we need to actually name what we're afraid of. We need to share the fact that we were threatened. We were told to be silent. Because here's the thing. I think we're afraid to pray bold prayers because maybe we're afraid of what God's going to ask us to do. We're afraid of looking foolish. We're afraid of maybe pushing people away. Whatever it may be, we're afraid of looking foolish. So so we we don't pray bold prayers, and we let our fears constrict us and keep us from moving forward. But remember Paul's advice to Timothy, where he says this in 2 Timothy. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear. He's not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of what? Power, love, and self-discipline. Say power, church. That is the spirit that God has given us, a spirit of power, which means that we can have bold faith, the same bold faith that Peter and John had, because it comes from the Holy Spirit. I think Peter and John were were probably nervous. They're probably maybe even terrified, 
But they didn't let fear dictate their direction. They let bold faith do it for them. See, being afraid is normal. It's something that we're going to have. But we can come to God and say, God, would you, would you make me bold, God? Would you make me choose faith over fear? Would, would you not let me shrink back, but would you let me keep moving forward? I've got to ask us an honest question. Those of you on Facebook, you've got to answer this question too. On a scale from 1 to 10, how amazed are people by your boldness? Now, I'm not talking about being rude or being brash, but how amazed are people by your boldness on a scale from 1 to 10? If you're on Facebook, you can go ahead and drop that number there. If, if, you, if you're here in person, you can maybe come up with that number in your head. But be honest. Maybe you're like, you know, Nathan, I'm not really bold. You know, I just go to work. I just do my job. I, I try to keep my head down. Like, I'm not like you or the staff. You guys are crazy, always talking about Jesus. Like, that's just not who I am. But, you know, I think often when we think of boldness, we think of a certain personality type. Like, yeah, that person's bold because they're outgoing and they're extroverted and they're loud. But, you know, I want to give you hope, because maybe you're not extroverted, maybe you're not loud, but here's some great examples of boldness. When I think of boldness, I think of Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks, who sat on a bus, and someone said to her, you need to move, and she said, no, I'm not going to give up my seat. And literally, her bold stance was what led to the Montgomery bus boycotts. It led to Martin Luther King Jr. rising in prominence and the civil rights movement gaining momentum. Now, you know, you might think of Rosa Parks as, man, she must be bold. I mean, here she is getting fingerprinted by a police officer. But here's what's interesting. When you talk to people close to her, here's what they say. They say that she's timid and she's shy. But when the Spirit of God came upon her, she became courageous like a lion. See, here's the truth we need to hold on to about boldness, is that boldness is not a personality trait. It's not something that you're born with. Some people are bold, some people aren't. Peter and John, they prayed for boldness, and it came upon them. Look what it says here. It says, after they prayed, now notice there's a connection between prayer and boldness. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. See, boldness comes from the filling of the Holy Spirit. Boldness comes when the Spirit of God comes upon us and enables us to go out and move forward. See, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you may normally be a timid or a shy person, but when you're filled with God's Spirit, you'll step up and speak up when those opportunities come about. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He fills us with boldness, and he also enables us to see the opportunities that are going to come our way. And one of the things that I love about our church is we open up opportunities for people to step out into boldness. You know, Jerry was up here and he was reading scripture. Maybe something that many of you don't know is that Jerry actually leads our prayer ministry here. He's one of our deacons. And every morning at 9 a.m., Jerry and a couple folks, they gather together to pray for you. They pray for our congregation. Any prayer requests we get, they come and they get them and they, they pray for one another. In fact, last week I had the honor of joining our prayer team as we went on a prayer walk. We got out of our seats and into the streets. And we started walking around Williamsport and praying for these different businesses, praying that, you know, God would, you know, bless them, that people would be touched. And Jerry, check this out, he actually challenged us to actually write words of blessing for these different businesses. And so here he gave us all a piece of chalk and we wrote down words like, God is love and you are enough, just so people could be blessed and have a positive message when they came to work. In fact, here's what I love. Check, check this next slide out. Here's Annette defacing graffiti. 
You talk about bold, you know, you know, you got this graffiti, I don't know what it is, but she comes over and she writes the words, God is love, taking what is ugly and was used as refuse. In fact, it was still up there this morning, and she wrote these words. That's bold. That's bold to say, I'm going to go forward and we're going to bless for. We're going to speak words of life and we're going to challenge our people to go and be agents of blessing so people have hope and healing in the world. How's that for bold? Praying for our town. But I know many of us, you know, we, well, what were the results of that? Like, what happened after that? Well, I'll be honest, I don't know. We, did, you know, we didn't preach the gospel. We didn't see people come to know Christ in that moment. But here's the thing about boldness. Boldness isn't about results. It's about obedience. Sometimes we may not, we not see the results for a long time, but it's about doing what God has called us to do. When you pray, make me bold, it may not mean that you got to go out to the street corners and start preaching. But maybe it means... You share your faith, or you let your faith become a little more visible. So when your coworkers talk about how they're having a health crisis right now, and they're kind of struggling, maybe your bold step is, hey, can, can, I, can I pray for you right now? I know it's kind of weird, but would it be okay if I prayed for you, like right now in the moment? And then how about this? What if you actually prayed for them right then and there, rather than, you know, forgetting about it later? It could, could it be that what part of boldness is, is maybe that you actually are a voice for the voiceless, like Rosa Parks, you're like weeping and grieving with those who are struggling with racial injustice in our world today. What does boldness look like for you? Because, listen, it can look in all sorts of different ways. It's not a one, it, it doesn't look one way for all of us. But whenever we start to walk in boldness, there are three attributes that we're going to experience. So I want to talk about them right now. And the first is this, is that boldness almost always triggers opposition, if you're taking notes. Boldness almost always triggers opposition. It's not fun, but it's true. See, after that prayer meeting where Peter and John, they, they experience the filling of the Holy Spirit and the whole room shakes, what do they do? They go back to the very spot that they were told not to go. And then the religious leaders, the Sadducees, saw them, and it says that they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. So, remember, it's about it's not about results. It's about obedience. So they have this prayer time. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're like, all right, God, make us bold. What is it you want us to do? I want you to go to the very same spot that got you arrested. What? <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you talking about, God? That, that's not comfortable. And so they go there, and they end up getting arrested. See, sometimes when we're following God boldly, it's going to mean that things are going to be more difficult for us than we like. Our bold faith may lead people to laugh at you, criticize you, maybe even misunderstand you, start talking behind your back. Living for Jesus may mean that you're by yourself on a Saturday night instead of out with your friends. Following Jesus boldly may mean that you get passed over for a promotion. It may mean that you're not in the popular crowd. And sometimes standing up for justice or the things that Jesus values may lead to you being misunderstood and rejected or labeled. But here's the thing, God can use you God can use you if you walk in boldness. So can I ask, have you experienced opposition for your, your obedience? Have you ever experienced people opposing you because, you have, because you've chosen to follow God over what's happening around you? Because here's the thing, if you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. Because boldness always, almost always triggers opposition. And then boldness often, go to the next one here, often releases the miraculous. Now, let's look at verse 19. It says this, An angel of the Lord came at night, 
opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Now, the way this is worded in the book of Acts is very much like, okay, angel broke him out of jail. But let's pause for a second here. An angel. Check this out. This is a picture of an angel. An angel comes out of nowhere and busts him out of jail. Like, this is crazy. Like, but for Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, for him, it's like, yeah, it ain't ain't no thing. Angel broke him out of jail. It's, It's just... It's book of Acts. It's what happened. God walks in these signs and wonders, and that's what God does. And here's what I think is so often, is so often we're so surprised when God actually does answer our prayers, aren't we? It's like we don't have this expectation that, of course, God is going to meet us where we're at if we walk in bold faith. And for me, a great example of this is the life of a guy named George Mueller. Have you guys ever heard of George Mueller? Yep, this is George Mueller here. I know he looks like a hobbit, but that's okay. I think someone once told me, you got to work in more Lord of the Rings in your messages. I'm like, well, there it is. You're welcome. You're welcome. So George Mueller, uh, he was actually a uh, pastor, a preacher in England in the 1800s. And Mueller um, just had this amazing faith, this amazing prayer life. In fact, he started all these orphanages all over England to take care of some of the most vulnerable people that lived in England. And when he started his first orphanage, he had 300 children that were living in this orphanage. And one day, uh, one, of the, one of the housekeepers came to him and said, uh, Pastor Mueller, we're out of food. And in a few moments, the, the children are going to come downstairs, and they're going to have breakfast, and then, then they're going to go to school, but we have nothing to feed them. There's nothing to eat. There's nothing to drink. And so Pastor Mueller, George Mueller, says, all right, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we have them come down to the breakfast table? And so they all gather for breakfast. They're about to, you know, they're expecting to have breakfast. So Pastor Mueller stands up, and he prays a dangerous prayer. He prays, Lord Jesus, thank you for what we're about to receive. You're like, this ain't a dangerous prayer. This is a dopey prayer. Like, come on, you know, is this guy like completely separated from reality? He's got to make some phone calls. He's like, he's got to call some folks and get some food going. But literally, as soon as he prays that prayer, this is what happens. There's a knock at the door. He opens up the door. And it's the local baker. And the baker says, "Uh, Pastor Mueller, you know, God put your orphans on my heart. And so I got up around 3 a.m. and I made some loaves of bread that I could give to the orphans. And so he delivers fresh baked bread to the orphans before they go to school. And literally, as soon as he closes the door, he hears another knock. He opens up the door and it's the milkman. Back in that day, they had like milk people, right? So the milkman's cart broke down in front of the orphanage. And he said to to George Mueller, listen, pastor, I got to tell you, um, by the time it's going to take me to go find someone to fix the cart and then get back to market, the milk's going to spoil because it's right out in the sun. Can I give it to the orphans? Would that be okay? And George Mueller said, absolutely. And that morning, those kids left with fresh milk and fresh bread. Isn't that amazing? See, George Mueller, here's what's so amazing about his story. There were 10,000 orphans that he cared for in his life. He built 117 schools, and here's what's amazing. In all of that time, George Mueller never asked for any money. Whenever they had a need, he prayed. And he'd share the story of what God had done, and God would always supply his needs. See, that's a life a faith, a man who just trusted God. It's a bold faith. Because listen, if boldness almost always triggers opposition, it often releases 
the miraculous. But we aren't bold so we can see the miraculous. It's just what happens when we follow God. Which brings us to the third attribute here, is that boldness always requires faith. See, after we see this miraculous rescue from Peter and John, look what the angel tells, tells them. He says this. He says, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple, as they were told, and immediately began teaching. So once again, they're told, go back to the spot where you're arrested and preach. Go back and do the thing that could get you killed. And this is the thing that's going to take faith. They're going to have to say, all right, God, I'm going to trust you over my fear. God, I'm going to move forward and go to the very spot that's going to cause more harm, more suffering, and more pain than before. And they take that step. But here's the thing. You have no idea what God will set in motion through one bold act of obedience. So the apostles are going, and they're going faithfully, but they're not sure what's going to happen. But you never know what God will do through your act of obedience. You know, when I was in high school, I think I shared with you guys, I became a a follower of Jesus when I was 14 years old. And um, during that time, I had a heart to really pray for our school. So I I was a high school student. I wanted to pray that God would actually reach our high school kids, that they would actually, you know, come to know Christ, that the other believers there would get strengthened in their faith. And so I started this prayer group. So I started kind of handing out these flyers to different kids in the school. And there was this one kid, he wasn't a believer, he was kind of on the fringe, he was, he was kind of weird. But uh, I remember thinking, oh man, like it would be really great, you know, or I remember thinking, you know, you know I'm going to avoid him. <laughs> I wasn't thinking really great. I was thinking, you know, I just want to avoid him, like he's not a believer, you know, maybe we'll pray for him, that's what we'll do. But God said, I want you to give him a flyer. I'm like, God, he's not a believer, like he's not going to want to pray with us. But I felt this sense of, all right, I needed to do this, and so took this bold step. I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to do it. I handed him a flyer, and he showed up. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't can't believe he showed up. So he came, and we prayed, and I said, hey guys, like, let's actually pray for our school, that kids would just have this sense that there's something off with the world, that there's this brokenness, and that Jesus came to die for them so that they could actually find hope and healing through the cross, and find eternal life, and become part, part of agents of God's restoration renewal. And so we prayed, and later that week, um, you know, Dan called me. He goes, dude, what were you praying about? Like, what, what's all this stuff about Jesus? And he wanted to know more. And so for the first time in my life as a high school kid, I led Dan to become a follower of Jesus. And it was awesome. I was like, oh, praise Jesus. Then I went to college. And I kind of lost touch with him. But I remember coming back to the area a couple years later and just, you know, going to like a young adult event. And I met this girl named Jenny. And so we're kind of talking about the area and stories. And, and, then we, and then Dan's name comes up. She goes, oh, I know Dan. I go, oh, that's so funny. How do you know Dan? Well, he was my youth leader, and he led me to Christ. I was like, that's... <laughs> See, you have no idea what God will set in motion through one bold act of obedience. You don't know what God could use you and do in you in that moment. Obedience today could lead to blessing tomorrow. That awkward conversation that you have with your friend could lead to their salvation tomorrow. That hard conversation you have with your sibling about their addiction could lead to them being alive tomorrow. You don't know what your obedience, your bold obedience, could lead to. Now let me tell you how Peter and John's story ends. Because they're obedient, because they followed God, their life was great. 
they became influencers. They ended up buying a big house, life was awesome, and they retired well into their, you know, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Because when you follow Jesus, life gets better, doesn't it? That's actually not, that, that didn't happen at all. Let me tell you what really happened to Peter and John. Historians tell us that John, eventually he was arrested, he was thrown in boiling oil, and then they um, put him on an island off the coast of Greece to let him kind of be in exile there. Peter actually died in Rome. They arrested him and they actually crucified him on a cross upside down because he didn't want to die the same way Jesus died. But you see, their boldness led to the spread of the church of Jesus Christ. The reason why we sit here today is because of their bold faith. Because they prayed that dangerous prayer, make me bold. Dangerous prayer that many of us just prayed today. So if we want to walk in boldness, we need to remember these three attributes. Just to summarize, boldness almost always triggers opposition, releases the miraculous, but always requires faith. Maybe today your step of boldness may be to share your faith with someone. Maybe there's someone that comes to mind, you're like, you know what, I need to share my faith with them. Maybe you're watching on Facebook, and maybe God's calling you to hit the share button so that you can share this message so that the gospel could be heard to folks on your newsfeed. What does it look like to take that step of faith? And maybe you might need to reach out to other believers like Peter did, like John did, and say, hey guys, can we pray? Because we're scared. Can, can we pray right now? Because we need boldness so that we can be faithful to what God has called us to, to preach the message he's called us to preach. And maybe some of you are here today, and maybe you've never responded to that message of Jesus. Maybe you know all about the gospel and you know about Jesus, you know the story, you kind of grew up with it, but maybe you can't think of a time where you said, I'm going to surrender my life and follow Jesus. I'm going to go all in. And maybe if that's you today, if you're watching on Facebook, I want to give you that opportunity to begin that journey right now. So here's what I'd like to ask if you're watching online or if you're in person, would you just bow our heads with me? Would you pray with me? Because I'm going to ask someone here to take that bold step to say, I'm going to follow Jesus today. And if that's you, if you're saying, that's me, I, I need to begin that journey with Jesus, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer after me. The prayer is not a magic formula. It's just a way to externalize what's happening internally. So I'm going to ask you to repeat these words after me. In fact, why don't we do this? Why don't we all say these words together so no one feels left out? Lord Jesus. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I need a Savior. The world is broken, and I am broken, but you came to make things right. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I choose to follow you from this day forward and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we welcome new believers, new brothers and sisters of the faith today? Listen, if you prayed that prayer, I'd love to get to know you, meet you. If you're online, you can message us. We'd love to help you take your next steps. But I would like to invite you as a follower of Christ for your first time to actually worship with your brothers and sisters today. This could be the first song you sing together as part of God's gathered family. Let's worship.